Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Hey, 2017 is here, so quick survey. Just want to see who, uh, who I'm talking to today. How many of you already have all of your Christmas lights, Christmas stuff put away? Raise your hand. If you put it away, man, that is crazy. How many of you let your Christmas lights turn into Mardi Gras lights, Easter lights, Thanksgiving lights? Raise your hand. Just leave them up all year long. Hey, that's, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of that. Okay, let me ask you. This is the late service, so I think I kind of answer this. How many of you stayed up till midnight last night? You saw the new year come in. Raise your hand. Wow, that is a lot. How many of you are like me? You were in bed by 10 o'clock, and all those that just raised their hand were keeping you up with their fireworks. (laughs) I was so excited. 10 o'clock, Roxanne and I got in the bed. I mean, I'm getting a good night's sleep. I got to preach tomorrow. It's raining. Surely they won't be shooting fireworks in the rain. I don't even know how that's possible. Not to mention the fact that it's illegal in Baton Rouge. We wouldn't break any laws, would we? Man, everywhere. And so, but man, it it is here 2016 is over. Come on, can I give a hand, good hand clap? What a crazy year. I'm not even going to go through everything. We don't have to do that. But I, I guess just an eventful year for Baton Rouge, for our country. And then uh, for each one of us, I'm sure it was different. I imagine for some of us here, 2016 may have been the best year of your life. For some of us here, it probably was the hardest year. I think for most of us, it was kind of a little bit of both. All right. Some good days, some bad days. So that tells us going into 2017, I would expect more of the same. Obviously, we don't know what 2017 holds, uh, but more of the same. I I think for some of us, we are about to move into the best year of your life. Um, Come on, get amens on that one. See how many amens get on this one. Unfortunately, some of us, this is going to be the hardest year of our life. Just, man, hard times come. I think for most of us, just like before. It's going to be a mix. There's going to be good days, bad days. There's going to be some success. There's going to be some failure, some triumph and some tragedy. And so we really don't know. So I, I, want to, I thought about this morning, you know, what, how do you approach that? Moving into the future, don't know what it's like. And I thought about Paul. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13, amazing chapter, chapter on love. Probably the most romantic chapter in the Bible. They read it at every wedding that I'm at, every wedding I do, which is interesting. And I won't talk about this, but later on today, go back and read what Paul says about marriage in 1 Corinthians 7. He is probably the most unromantic person that ever lived. But he wrote the most amazing thing on love. And we won't have time to talk about love today. I want to talk about faith and hope. But look at what he writes in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 12, he says, now we see but a poor reflection in a mirror. Isn't that kind of a good way to characterize beginning a new year? You're kind of looking at it, but you're not really sure what you're looking at. Look what he says. Now we see, I can't see because I need my reading glasses, all right? I see a poor reflection. Now we see but a poor reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now there's a couple things I think are interesting about that sense. He says, you know, now we see a poor reflection in the mirror. Uh, we don't really know what the future holds, which is true for all of us. He says, but then, and you get excited, all right? Okay, but then what? 
then we shall see face to face. So a couple of things he says there is, one, we're not going to know all the answers to the other side of heaven. All right. It's not like at the end of this verse, you know everything that God's going to do. All right. Or you hit this point in your life where all of a sudden you're like, everything makes sense. I guess you could say the bad news is that moment never comes on this side of heaven. It's only when we see God's face. But I also think it's interesting that he says when we see face to face. I really think, you know, on this side of heaven, we have a lot of questions, a lot of questions for God. Lord, why does all this happen? I think one of the things that Paul was trying to tell us is when we see God's face, I think a lot of those questions we're going to forget all about. When we behold the face of our Savior and our Creator and we know what's really important. I think a lot of times we crave to know things that really don't make a difference. And we don't want to know the things that really do make a difference. And Paul was saying then, we shall see face to face. He goes, now I know in part. Then I shall know fully even as I'm fully known. Once again, talking about heaven. But then he comes back to now. That's where we are. He says, and now these three things remain. So going in 2017, good days, bad days, easy days, tough days, good news, bad news, success, failure. You never know what's going to change. You never know what tomorrow's going to hold. But Paul says through all 365 of these days, these three things will remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now, I'm not going to get to the greatest of these today. I'll let Pastor Mike cover that sometime this year. But going into 2017, I think it's important that we arm ourselves. That's my library card. All right. (laughs) I haven't been able to use it. I owe 20 cents. Who has 20 cents? All right. I don't know what made me get into that. All right. So going into 2017, We're going to need two things. That's faith and hope. So I want to talk about those today. What is faith? Here's my definition of faith. Faith is deciding to rely on God. Faith is deciding to rely on God. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not a whim. Faith is not passive. Faith is active. Faith is a conscious decision based on what we know that I am going to rely on God. Another good word for faith is trust. So I was trying to think about how to illustrate that because a lot of times words that we say in church so often kind of lose their meaning. You know what I'm talking about? In fact, I saw a list of words that was put out that they're going to take out of uh, the dictionary because they're said so often they've actually lost their meaning. And so sometimes spiritually we do the same thing. We say it so much we forget what it means. And so that's why Jesus would tell parables. And so sometimes you have to kind of take a word out of the spiritual, put it in just a physical sense, Get a sense of what it means, and then you can put it back in the spiritual, all right? So get ready. Here's my best illustration of faith, all right? Have you ever been in a public place, and you had to use the restroom, all right? You weren't expecting that. And so you go to the restroom, and it's one of those, it's just built for one person. And you go to lock the door, and it's one of those locks that you can't test from the inside. Do you know what I'm talking about? So you go to lock the door, and you lock it, and you go to test it, but just the action of opening the door makes you wonder, does it really lock or not? And so you do whatever it says, you push the button or you turn the lever, but you can't test it. So you have to make what? A decision. Do I have faith in this lock to protect my dignity? Especially if the seat and the door are farther than arm's length away. All right, I've I've done this before. And then you feel good if it opens to the inside. 
But so you're not sure, son. So you have to make a decision. Can I trust that lock? All right, let's leave that. Bring it back to the spiritual. See, that's what faith is. Sometimes in church, we just faith is, well, I just have faith and I'm just going to go in faith and it's kind of passive and it's, it's a whim and really it absolves me of kind of responsibility. That's not it at all. The faith that Jesus talked about, the faith that Paul talked about was active. It's an active decision. Can I rely on God? Can I trust God? And then saying, okay, faith is I can I, good times, bad times, when I want to obey him, when I don't want to obey him, I can trust God. And that's important. The most important question, in fact, I'll put it this way, the most important decision that any of us will make in 2017 and really in our life is will I rely on God? Will I choose to trust him? And that's important because what we choose to rely on governs all of our actions. And I'll give you another illustration. Um, in a couple months, I'll put all my Christmas stuff away, all right? And I'll go up in the attic, and I didn't build my house, thank goodness, someone else built it, I bought it. So I didn't put the boards up in the attic. So anybody that's ever been up in the attic, especially if you didn't put the boards up, or maybe you did and you just don't trust yourself, all right? And you're up there, and what do you do? That first step's kind of soft. And you decide, can I trust this board? Is it going to hold me? And then if you decide it does, well, then what? Then you can move forward, all right? And that's what our life is like. The first decision that we make in life is what we're going to rely on. What is it can we trust? What is it that we believe is going to support us? And what Paul tells us to do is to put that faith and that trust in God. And we can rely on God. And that governs all of our actions from there on out. And I have to decide this. Am I convinced or am I involved? See, it's easy to be involved in the things of God and think that that is trust in God. But when life gets hard, and, and really, I keep saying that, it's not just when life gets hard. Sometimes it's when life gets good. You ever notice we tend to trust God way more when life is tough than when life is easy, all right? And there come these times in our life where we have to realize, am I really convinced that God's way is the right way? Am I really convinced that everything God said is going to come to pass? Or am I just involved in the things of God? And I think one of the best illustrations of that, and I didn't give them the scripture, but you can go back and read later. It's in John chapter 6, where Jesus was doing miracles and he was feeding people. He was healing people. And man, he drew a huge crowd. And all these people came to him. And then he kind of started preaching some hard stuff. And slowly they started leaving him. And Jesus didn't say, hey, no, come, please come back. Hey, I'll, I'll make some more bread, all right? I'll, I'll put some catfish on. Please, y'all come back. Jesus never did that. He's like, y'all want to go? Go, all right? And then he turns around to his disciples and says, do you want to go too? And Peter was convinced. Peter says, Lord, where are we going to go? You're the only one with the words of life. And, and here's the thing. Peter didn't know what the future would hold. You don't have to understand everything to be convinced in God. But convinced is faith. Faith is convinced. Faith is not just I wish. Faith is not I want. Faith is I am convinced that I can rely on God. And that, come on, clap your hands for that. That faith remains through, through all of 2017, whatever we face. So here's what I do. Sometimes I like to ask myself, I call them second level questions, all right, to really see. Okay, am I answering that one right? So here are three questions I wrote down for me. This message is for me. 
be great if y'all get something out of it, all right? But this is for me, all right? So here are three questions that I wrote down to see, am I, have I really decided to rely on God? The first one is this. Do I seek God at the beginning and throughout the day? If I don't seek God throughout the day, that tells me I'm not really relying on him. I don't really trust his counsel. If I trust his wisdom, then I'll seek him through his word. His will is written down right here, through prayer. But if I go a whole day and never consult him on what's important to me and what I should or shouldn't do, then what does that say about where my faith really is? It means my faith is somewhere else. If I had faith in him, I would trust him. You know, it, it, we have a kind of routine every single morning at our house. I got four boys and uh, getting them dressed. All right. And I'm tell, I do a mile at my house in the morning, just walking back and forth, shoes, breakfast, teeth, books, all this kind of stuff. All right. And so I'll be walking back and forth. And sometimes I'll stop and I'll notice that one of them has been sitting in the same spot for five minutes and has made no progress. And they just kind of got a bad look on their face. And I'll stop and say, what is wrong? Well, I can't get this knot out of my shoes. Well, then, what I tell then ask, don't pout, ask for help. I can help you, then we can move on to the next thing. I wonder how many times I go throughout my day and God, I don't know if God gets aggravated or not. I know the Bible talks about God's anger. It never talks about God's aggravation, but he's got children, so he has to get aggravated, all right? <laughs> and I'm made in his image and I get aggravated. And so um, I saw a guy look and, and thinks, Johnny Green, why, why are you pouting? Well, God, I can't do this. Well, then ask for help. And if I'm not asking for help, I don't really have faith in him. I may not have faith in anything. I may have faith in something else. But so if I have faith in him, I'm going to seek him at the beginning. And I think that's important. All right. I don't know what time you wake up. I'm not telling you how you got to do your devotions and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's important at the beginning of the day uh, to seek God. The second thing is this. Do I try to please God rather than myself or others? And, and here's why I phrase it that way, because I know that I can let myself off the hook pretty easy. The first time I wrote down that question, I put, OK, do I obey God? But here's the thing, I'm pretty good at obeying God, right? And I'm not bragging about that, but most of us are. If obeying God is kind of like, because when, when you think about obeying God, it's like the Ten Commandments, you know what I'm talking about? And it's just these check marks. And to be honest, on those 10, I do pretty good. You know, I, most days I don't lie, you know. I don't steal. I got a long string on murder, all right? Done great with that one. And so it's pretty easy to kind of get to the end of the day and you've checked out, well, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. I obeyed God. And to be quite honest, that's how the Pharisees thought. And they missed God completely. But when you kind of change that and say, it's not just about obeying him, it's about pleasing him. And the truth is, I spend most of my day trying to please myself because I really trust myself more than anything else. Or maybe I spend my day trying to please someone or something else because, and I would never admit this, I would never say this publicly, but deep down inside, I kind of suspect that whatever that is has more influence on my life than God does. But if I believe that God has the greatest power, the greatest wisdom, and the greatest influence on my life, if I truly trust and rely on him, then I'll spend my day trying not just to obey him, but to please him. And I'm embarrassed at how often I don't. So the second question I wrote down, how do you know if you have faith in God? Do I try to please God rather than myself or others? 
And, and here's the third one, and this is the hardest one for me. Do I trust God with the outcomes that I think are important? Because, you know, when something bad happens in our life, people say, well, that was a test of faith. And once again, that's not usually a test of faith. That's a, sometimes a launch to faith. Because when tragedy comes, when, that's when we realize I can't rely on anything else. We kind of go to God, all right? For me, the greatest test of faith is when God's word says go this way and what I want is over there. All right? So God's word is clear to do this, but that's not an obvious path to hear. So, Lord, I know you said do this, but I want that. How do I, I'll, I'll obey, how can I go here and get there? Can I make a, a turn? And God says, well, just go this way and, and trust me and have faith in me. That, for me, is the greatest test of faith. And what I found about my prayer life, I know none of y'all are like this, all right? But just give me some latitude, all right? My prayer life, a lot of times, or my spiritual life, is kind of a bargain with God. Okay, God, you said do this. I want that. I'll do this. You give me that. Will that work out? I mean, God, I went to church on January 1st while most people were sleeping in, all right? I'm just kidding. And so, you know, I did this. Will you give me that? And it almost reminds me, I like crime movies. I like mob movies. And one of my favorite parts of all those movies or television shows or whatever is, you know, when they do the transaction, you know, maybe if they're buying something they shouldn't buy. And so, you know, they go to like a, a warehouse where nobody's at or they're out in the middle of the desert where you followed, come alone, you know, go here and I'll call you. And so they get out of the cars. A lot of times there's a nice dressed person and then there's like the big thug, you know, something like that. And they've each got a bag. You got the stuff? Yeah, I got, you got the stuff? All right, kick it over here. I love those because you never know what's going to happen, all right? So I say, I'd say this. Sometimes that's my interaction with God. I'm like, Lord, meet me at the warehouse. I got the stuff. I went to church. I read my Bible. I listened to a Christian CD. I downloaded the Healing Place app like I was supposed to, all right? I did this. You, you got the blessings that I want? Yeah, okay, slide them over. Slide them over. I hand it to my goon. I got four of them. Just kidding. He opens it up. I'm like, is it all in there? Yeah, good marriage, 401K, all that kind of stuff. A lot of times, we wouldn't say that, but that's what we think faith is. Lord, I'll do what you want. You give me what I want. And that's not the case. I think the greatest test of faith is, Lord, when what you've asked me to do doesn't lead me where I think I want to go, I'll go anyways. Because I'm relying on you, not my wisdom, not what the world says. I trust you. And here's what Paul says. In a world where we don't know what's going to happen next, that faith remains. Relying on God. It's one thing that you can count on. So he says faith remains. And then the second thing he says is hope remains. So here's my definition of hope. If faith is choosing to rely on God, hope is active as well. Hope is expecting fulfillment in God. Lord, I have faith in you. I rely on you. I trust you. And I expect fulfillment in you. Hope says tomorrow is going to be better than today. Whether today's bad or today's good, I believe that tomorrow is going to be better. Now, here's what's important. There's no reason to have hope if your faith is not in the right thing. 
All right? It's like making a, just a bad investment. It's like just kind of throwing your money at some investment and then hoping for a return. Why would you hope for a return if you didn't really have faith in what you put it in? And so there's no reason for hope if your faith is in the wrong thing. But if your faith is in the right thing, there's every reason for hope. And that hope remains. And so I wrote down three questions again. How do I know if I have a godly hope? If, my, if I'm expecting fulfillment, and I think that word's important, expecting. Hope is active. It's expectation. I'm expecting fulfillment from God. First thing is this, and it's kind of like the last one. Are my hopes submitted to God's purpose? See, faith in God, when I rely on him and his wisdom and his love for me, faith in God allows God to choose my fulfillment and I don't choose my own. And that's tough, but it still, it, it, it leads to hope. And I love what, I love what the Bible says in Hebrews 11, talking about Abraham. Abraham is probably the greatest example of faith in the Bible. He says, by faith, so here's faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. That's faith. God said, do this. God, I trust you. I'm going. So he, 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 he obeyed and he went. Look at this. Even though he did not know where he was going. Hope sometimes has a big question mark at the end of it. And hope says, God, I'm letting you choose my destination. I'm letting you choose what fulfillment is for me. And I love this verse. It's, one of my, it's been one of my favorites for a long time. And I love the fact that Pastor Mike has made it kind of one of the key verses of Healing Place Church. And that is Ephesians 3.20. That God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly that's faith. God, I, I have faith in you that you are able. That's what faith is, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Now here's hope. Above all that I could ask or even imagine. God, you have hopes for me that are greater than my hopes for me. And so I'm gonna trust your hopes for me. I'm not saying, Lord, here are my hopes. You fulfill those. Lord, I'm giving you the freedom to choose what fulfillment looks like for me. So that's number one. Are my hopes submitted to God's purpose? That leads to the second thing. Do I remain optimistic in spite of bad news? Now, optimistic doesn't mean happy and smiling. That's okay. And that's good for some of us. Some of us don't smile much. All right. But optimistic means I still have hope. I still have an expectation. Do I have an expectation of fulfillment in God in spite of of bad news. And that's good for me because I call myself an optimistic pessimist. I believe it's all going to work out, just not today. All right. I just, I don't have a lot of hope for today, but I believe one day. All right. And so do I re to remain that? Because here's the thing. Something always goes wrong. It just does. And the older you get, the more you figure that out. Last week, I put together a trampoline. Uh, Roxanne's parents got the boys a trampoline. I put it together. The kids were gone. I could concentrate. I, I laid all the pieces out. I took them, started early. And, and you know, you, you, those of you who have done something like this, in that first 20, 30 minutes, it's going simple. Let's just put this into this. And screw it. I was like, man, this is awesome. And, and in my mind, I thought, man, this is going to go quick. But then I thought, no, it won't. <laughs> At some point, something's going wrong. And you're just waiting. You ever live life just kind of waiting for something to go wrong? And that's not a bad thing because then you're not surprised when it does. And so what I did is I put it, it said, you know, I put it together upside down the frame 
because it was easier to kind of put everything. I thought, well, then I'll just flip it over. It's a 15-foot trampoline. I'm by myself. I kind of picked it up and did this, and it went nowhere. I thought, well, what do I do now? But I was like, here it is, you know. And sometimes you almost have to have that attitude. Something's going to go wrong. That doesn't take away my hope. That's not, I'm going to stay optimistic when it goes wrong. And just for those of you that care, the trampoline is put together. It's right side up. I had to take part of it together, apart, redo it. All right. And so, you know, I thought about this the other day. I was watching. I, I like, I, I, here's how I can tell I'm getting older. I like older stuff better than newer stuff. And I like sports. So I would rather watch a replay of like a game from the 80s than a game that was on yesterday. All right. And so one of the things I watched, there was a show, the top 20 greatest fights of all time. And I used to like boxing. I remember when, when I was a kid, boxing was free to watch on TV. It's not anymore. And so, and so I watched, and here's one of the things I noticed. You know what every one of those fights had in common? The winner got knocked down at some point, but he got up and finished the fight. And we know that we have hope and expectation of fulfillment in God is, you know, I said it before, when life punches us in the mouth, when we get bad news, when we have a tough conversation, when we look at something that's not what we want, this is not the way we thought it was going to turn out. But you know what? I've got faith in God. Faith is my foundation. And so I've got hope in God. And so we know that we have hope in God if we can remain um, optimistic in spite of bad news. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. And I want to read this. And, and you probably know this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And I'm going to skip around a little bit. He says, and we know that in what? All things, good and bad, whatever 2017 hands us, we know this, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Skip, skip down to verse uh, 31. What, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Look at verse 37. And then Paul talks about some really terrible stuff. I mean, I've had bad years before. I didn't have a year this bad, all right? And then verse 37, he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am, and here's that word again, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. A hope and, come on, clap your hands. Hope in God that's based on faith in God, true faith, allows us to keep hope even in bad times, even in hard times. And the last one is this. Do I give my best because I believe it makes a difference? When we have hope, we give our best because we believe it makes a difference. It's hope for tomorrow that energizes us today. It's hope and caffeine that wakes us up in the morning. It's hope that makes us go, go to work. It's hope. Faith is our foundation, but it's hope that's our energy. And that's why hope is so important. Faith is important because faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing you can build your life on. But hope is important because hope is the only thing that truly gives us strength and energy for what we're going to face today. And even when life is tough, it's hope that says, I have hope for tomorrow. I have an expectation of fulfillment in God. And that makes me want to give it the very best that I can today because I believe it makes a difference. 
Hope is oxygen for the soul. Without hope, there's death. Without hope in our home, there's death in our home. Without hope in our future, there's nothing in our future. And it's hope that gives us strength. And here's the thing. You can be sad. You can be angry. You can be confused and still have hope. Hope doesn't mean the the absence of those things. It means in the middle of all this. What did Paul say? In all these things, I still have hope. And, And, you know, seeing things like this is one of the reasons. For the last couple of years, about every book I've read has been history. I've just... I've been reading history books, and I read history for a couple reasons. Uh, one is I like, to see, I like to know why things are the way they are, so I want to see how, how, how do we get to this spot. Um, I love to read the lives of great men and women, and one of the things I see as I read their lives is the things that they faced. And as I'm reading about it or watching a documentary or hearing a story, I kind of ask myself this question, could I have done what they done? And I don't just mean like talent and what they accomplished. Could I have made it? through the hard times they had to go through. And about a year and a half ago, I read maybe the best book I've ever read, and he's become one of my greatest heroes. And it's a guy named Louis Zamperini. And he wrote, it was a book about him. It's called Unbroken. And they made a movie about it, but the book is so much better than the movie, all right? And so if you don't know who Louis Zamperini was, probably most of you have never heard of Louis Zamperini. Louis Zamperini was an Olympic runner, and he ran long distance. I mean, he ran those races where, like, for them... It's almost a total sprint, but for me, I'd have to stop and take a nap in the middle, all right? And so he ran these long-distance races. I think he, he was going towards the 5,000 meters, all right? And, and he was known for his final kick. He was known for, in that last lap, where it was the hardest, and your lungs are burning, and your legs feel like they're on fire, he could kick it into another gear. And one of the reasons he did is because him and his brother, who was his coach, They had this saying, a moment of pain for a lifetime of glory. And when the race got hard, he would say to himself, a moment of pain for a lifetime of glory. Before Louis Zamperini could get to the Olympics that he had targeted as where he would excel the most, World War II broke out. He was in the 36 Olympics, Berlin. He was looking forward to the 40 Olympics. But before that happened, he joined the Air Force. He was in a rescue mission in the South Pacific. And his plane went down. Ten crew members, seven of them died immediately. Three of them made it. They got on a life raft. 47 days on a life raft. The longest of anyone who had ever survived. In fact, only two of them survived. And then he's picked up and put into a Japanese prisoner of war camp. And for almost two years, starved, overworked, tortured, beaten, you name it. This Olympic athlete was down to about 97 pounds. Literally, he, he said one time, he, one of the saddest moments when he looked at his body and thought of where he was, and now he literally had become skin and bones. And there was one prison guard that just took extra joy in just abusing him. And so one day towards the end, he'd been there almost two years, over a year, and they were in a workyard, and there was a four by four, six foot long beam of wood. And he told Louis Samperini, he said, pick that up, hold it over your head. And when you drop it, I'm going to shoot you. And they said, every, and even people who were there that survived, everything stopped. And he's holding that picture of it up there. That's from the movie. He's holding that beam over his head and, and didn't see how he could do it. And he said, one minute, two minutes. He said, at three minutes, 
his arms just went numb. And as I was reading that story, and I've actually heard him, he passed away in 2014, but I've seen a video of him telling that story. I thought, what was it that made him keep holding it up? If you know you're gonna drop it anyways, and when you drop it, all your pain ends, why not just drop? I mean, one, he's gonna get shot no matter what. He's just ex extending that. Number two, what is he doing? Earning another year of starvation and abuse? What is it? But there was something inside of Louis Samperini, and it was hope. It was expectation for a better future, no matter how hard it was in that moment. And he said, yeah, that phrase, you can clap your hands. Although he said, a moment of pain for a lifetime of glory. And here's, the, here's and this is why I say this, because I think there's people here today and you feel like that. Life has given you a burden to carry and you can't see any future in it. You can't see a better tomorrow. You don't even know why you're holding it. You, you, just, you, you can't see a purpose. You can't see a reason. And you know what he said, a moment of pain, a lifetime of glory. When you're in pain, can't that moment feel like a lifetime? But it's just a moment, maybe a long moment. It's just a moment. And he knew it's just a moment. He did what I'm hoping we'll do today. Man, he kept holding it up. Three minutes turned into five minutes. Five minutes turned into 10 minutes. 10 minutes turned into 20 minutes. 20 minutes turned into 30 minutes. And after 37 minutes of holding up that beam, the guard got so frustrated. He walked over, he punched him in the stomach. Zamperini passed out, dropped the beam, and the guard walked off. And he just left him. Now, that's not a great ending, but here's the thing. Months later, soldiers, American soldiers got to Japan. They liberated that camp. Louis Samperini went home. He got married. He had kids. I don't want to give away the whole ending in case you read the book, but this is not in the movie. He went to a Billy Graham crusade and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Come on, clap your hands for that. And he spent his life ministering to other people. And I want to show you this other picture. So this, last, this, picture, this is Louis Zamperini right up here, all right, of him carrying the torch. This is Louis Zamperini in 1998 at the Winter Olympics in Nagano, Japan, less than 50 miles from where he was abused as a prisoner of war, carrying the torch for the Olympics. Hey, leave that picture up. Here's why I tell this. That's one reason I like to read history. Because I think, you know what? If he can do it, I can do it. Because the same God that created him created me. The faith and hope that he has, I have faith and hope in the same. It's not the power of faith and hope. It's the God who the faith and hope are in. And I serve the same God. And I say that today. I want to keep this picture up. Because there are some of you today, you feel like the first picture. You're holding up that weight and you can't see any end. That moment feels like a lifetime. And I want you to know, God has this picture for you. God has a moment when you will carry a torch for him and you will bring a message of love and power and hope to someone else in a way that only you can. I firmly believe for each and every one of us, there are people out there waiting for us to bring them the gospel that God has designed an appointment for only me and them or only you and them. 
And God has this moment. And here's the thing. If you're not there now, there's a chance in 2017, you're going to be there. You know, there's a chance in this year, you're going to feel like all of a sudden you're handed a weight that you don't know how to carry. Or maybe it's 2018. We all get there. But hope gives us energy to keep going because hope says, I am expecting. There's no reason to expect. There's no, I can't see anything that would tell. There's no evidence of a good day. But I have expectation of fulfillment in God because I have put my faith in God. I have chosen to rely on him and God will never let me down. It may take longer than I want. It may look different than I want, but God will not let me down. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.